I V M. Hello and welcome to the Habit Coach Podcast. I am Ashton Doctor, your Habit Coach, and today we are joined by a very special guest, a dear friend of mine, Sapna Gopalakrishnan. And um, we did a podcast earlier today about her journey, and this is a continuation of that podcast. So if you haven't heard the previous podcast, please go and listen to it because it is one of our. It is a story that takes you through ups and downs because we keep talking about you know our rock bottom moments. And um, I've seen Sapna go through her rock bottom moment, and you know the courage that she showed and the way that she's taken it with grace. I want to share that with all of you listening. Today is the second part of that, and it's all about her journey once she came home from hospital. If you don't know what we're talking about, please go listen to the first episode and then come back and listen to this one. So, Sapna, welcome to the Happy Coach Podcast for a second time. Thank you. Sapna, you know the last episode was so inspiring, right? And it was so interesting to see the way that you were handling the situation and and all that happened. Now you were telling us about you know the hospital life came, right? It came as a shock. You were there, like you were saying that you were being taken care of, and you had your illness. Now you came home. What happened once you came home? So, uh, like I mentioned previously as well, right? I was. Even though I actually went through everything, uh, since I had no recollection of what had happened, I think for me it actually sort of all started once I woke up. So I was at home for a little bit before the surgeries, and I went back to do the surgeries. And uh, so for me, sort of there were two coming back homes. Though, uh, so the first time I came back home, right, and I was so I had gangrene, like I'd mentioned, and uh, it was sort of you know at that time you're sort of not willing to accept it, right? You know, okay, it is what it is. you know what's going to be the next course of action which is amputation but you try your best to do whatever it is that you can to save let's say 1 mm of of some limb somewhere here there like i don't know what it's going to do but then you try to do it right so that's basically what i did i tried like i think i've mentioned this earlier so i'm not going to go into it in detail but uh, i mean we tried everything possible to sort of save whatever we could and uh, and then we finally decided okay fine this this amputation is the only way out and then i got admitted again into the hospital and uh, supposed amputation surgeries etc um and and i remember one of the doctors actually tell my husband right that okay now she's actually like a baby like she's going to have to start everything again so like like i don't know if you've seen these tom and jerry cartoons right where you take tom and he's hit like a tack on the wall and then he literally has to crawl and pull himself out i was literally like that like i was I had to drag myself with every ounce of energy and willpower that I had, and just to take that one step used to be so painful that sometimes I was like, "It's okay, I'm just going to be lying down over here. I don't care if I have bed sores or my back is hurting." But uh, you know, uh, so like I said again, uh, and then finally it happened, and I said, "Okay, fine, let me go back home." I came back home. I had my mum and my uh, husband with me. It was like a complete shock, right? Because for me, I'm like, "Okay." I'm back to this place, but there's something different. I don't feel different, but there is something different. And okay, now and the first thing that I thought as soon as I came home is, thank God, I can sleep on my own bed and use my own loo, right? But then when I I realized that I couldn't even go into the loo and open the door by myself and like do things, and and I'm like, okay, there's something wrong because this is not how it's supposed to be, right? So I think the initial phase of denial was sort of setting in, where I'm like. Okay, this is not how it's meant to be. But somewhere I turned around, and uh, like I said, like I had these different sort of people in my life coming in, appearing out of nowhere, uh, sort of 
being like my little little guardian angels everywhere right i, I didn't have like one i think i had many like i think there was this lady who's uh, an ex colleague's friend who i've hardly spoken to she's a healer and i don't know how all of a sudden she turned up and and she helped in so many ways uh and uh, i remember when i went to this oxygen uh, therapy right there was this naval op- naval uh, person over there and uh, he actually saw me sitting a little sad one day because so i was one of the few people amongst all the the people who had cancer and there were soldiers with gangrene because of you know being in the siachen and things like that and then you know i saw all these people and i realized oh my god i'm so much more fortunate compared to these people because these guys don't have anybody supporting them they don't have anybody to come with them right they they were literally dragging themselves i saw people with cancer who couldn't walk who had so much of pain travel by mumbai local stay in some little rickety place near the hospital and i had so much of support help mental physical financial right i had people like take me up the wheelchair so like the first day i went over there i was i went on a stretcher and they were like no you can't come because you're on a stretcher what if you, something happens to you the second day i was on a wheelchair and by the third day i said listen i'm going to walk and i managed to walk so i think those guys also saw that progress and i i was one of the few people that was always like laughing i don't know why like i i just felt like laughing because every day i felt like there's something better happening and uh, so one of these guys actually told me um he's like you know uh, he said something in hindi which i can't i don't remember word for word but he said something like you know if you take sand uh, in your fingers do you think it's going to stay or it's going to slip out and uh, then he said i mean if what is not meant to be yours will never be there so why are you worried about it he literally said that and he went off so this is the first thing that you know that i think that helped me come to terms so i think the first step when you're trying to get out of your rock bottom or whatever it is right is to accept that okay look it has happened and everyone needs that one moment to click in right because until then no matter what anybody tells you you're never going to be able to accept it so i think that sort of helped me accept and come to terms with it. and i'm like okay look this is what it is it has happened i've made a choice to go ahead with the surgery etc now what do i do next to achieve what i want to achieve and like we had discussed right like so in my head i know we were supposed to climb mount elbrus sometime last last year and obviously that didn't happen and that's something which i still want to do i don't know your game but uh, that's something which i still want to do and i'm like okay so i want to do that so what do i need to do so i think that's how i started and i was like okay let me do little things right first would be to how do i let's say walk like two steps or three steps so i think it was like a very step by step thing i didn't think of like i had a goal but like every day i was doing like a little a little and trying to do something a little better than the previous day so i think that i realized that look i am not in competition with anyone else i don't see myself as uh, different or disabled or differently abled or whatever because at the risk of sounding all cheesy i think my spirit was not disabled right i was still the same person and maybe here i'd like to draw a distinction between like i mean and i don't know right maybe it's different for somebody who's let's say born with some sort of a disability or something like that and, and obviously i am i can't talk about that because i haven't like i haven't gone through that in my formative years right so for me i have sort of lived my life and i'm at this older wiser stage or whatever you want to call it where i am okay and i uh, and i'm like okay it has happened yes it's a shock but somewhere i don't know if that has made me more accepting of the fact that okay this is what it is i know it's different i know i've had like a lot of my life spent a different way but now it's going to be this way and let's see what best i can do to make it better so i think that's how it was and 
and I'm not going to lie. I mean, obviously there were moments when I felt like, you know, I was like buried under the sand and like under seven layers with crap on all over me types, right? I mean, that that's what I felt like. But, and I would get angry for no reason at all. I, I would wake up in the morning because I would be in pain all the time, right? I was constantly in pain. I couldn't sleep. You know, it, it was just nightmare for me, like most of the times. So, and I'm not like a very religious person or something where, like, I'm not like the type who would say, okay, fine, if, like, I, I'm going to pray and it's going to be fine. Like, I mean, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. So, uh, and I, and so I didn't know what really I needed to do to get out of it. So I think it somewhere helped me sort of connect with myself. And I actually realized that whole experience made me realize that the entire time, I think I was sort of able to get over it quickly because I was looking at it from a third person's lens. Like I knew it was happening to Sapna and that Sapna is me. But I was like standing on the corner and looking and I'm like, okay, this has happened. So now what? It just came naturally, right? It's not like I willed myself into doing it. It somehow just happened. And I think that this experience has happened for me to realize that I'm much more than my body, my hair. I'm not even my soul, right? I'm, I'm actually literally this energy that's here, there and everywhere. And what I give, I'm going to get. So I think... I'm sorry if I sound like Sapna Baba or whatever. That wasn't the whole point. And if somebody thinks it's hogwash, uh, please feel free to get in touch with me and tell me it's hogwash. But if you do identify with what I said, then yay, I'm happy there are more crazies out there. But so yeah, I mean, I think it really helped me realize this. And that the fact that, okay, I have this body and I'm so happy that I've gotten this chance and to, you know, come back and live the life that I want or that I think I want take care of it much better than what I did, you know, and, and not to abuse my body, to eat better, to be kind to myself, to just take happiness in the little things in life, right? I mean, I don't know, it just, for me, it was like, it really helped me with all this. So yeah, I mean, I think the initial months were a little difficult. It was definitely made easy by the people around me. I had friends drop in, etc. This was right before COVID. After that, of course, I couldn't see anybody and I was completely bummed. But again, I think blessing in disguise because we were literally holed in and I had all the time in the world to recover. So I think it really helped me that way. Um, and So Sapna, when, I, when you started, you know, you were saying that there is this moment of realization that takes place, right? Where, you know, you say that life is not going to be the same. You've just had your fingers amputated, your toes amputated. When did that moment suddenly strike you saying that from now onwards, life is definitely not going to be the same and you had that turnaround phase? What what was the stuff that was going through your head at that point of time? What was the decision you made? So, um, I mean, like I mentioned, there was this one instance where it was like a click. But uh, I think it would be oversimplifying it by trying to sort of contain it in one incident, right? It Obviously, it happened over a period of time in the sense, I'm not trying to contradict what I said earlier, but it was like, like I said, before the surgery, there, there was this moment where I spoke to somebody and sort of understood that, okay, I need to accept. So I, at that moment, I only understood that I need to accept. I was still not ready to accept, right? So, but that's the first step. You first need to understand that, okay, this is what I need to do. You realize that this is how you need to do it, but you still don't do it because you're not in the frame of mind. As in, you can't really do it. Correct. People just don't accept it, right? There's yeah. so there's much resistance towards accepting. And accepting yeah. something like this is so hard. 
you know, because you can't make a change unless you accept it, unless you agree that there is something that has changed. Yeah. And I think this is true for everything, right? I mean, if you're going to deny something, it doesn't mean it's not there, but you're not prepared to do what it takes to uh, overcome it or whatever it is that you need to do, right? I mean, I think that is the most important thing. Firstly, just accepting something and then say, okay, fine. Uh, Okay, what do I need to do? I think you just need to ask yourself the questions and, and, and you will get the answers, right? I mean, it's not like some magic thing. What kind of you questions? You will get the answers. So you need to ask yourself, okay, now, okay, fine. This is what it is. So what do I need to do? For example, in my case, okay, I need to get back to work. So what do I need to do? What, what are the kinds of conversations that I need to have with my colleagues, with my boss? Um, and okay, like I said, I, I want to uh, be able to do not just my regular day-to-day tasks because every doctor that I went to was like, oh, you have your right thumb and you have one third of your fingers. So you will be able to do most of the things. Like, in fact, there was, I got, I, I don't know if they're sexist or whatever, but they were like, oh, you'll be able to cook and do all that, you know? And I'm like, okay, but that's just not what my life is uh, sort of uh, all about, right? I mean, I want to do so many other things. I mean, what if I want to surf? Because I literally, so I enjoy doing a lot of extreme things, right? Like, I mean, I, I've surfed before and I want to be able to do that. Uh, in fact, just before this happened, I was actually supposed to go on a surfing trip. So yeah, I mean, I still like to trek. I like to just jump into the ocean and swim, right? I mean, I, I really like doing all these things. So for me, I'm like, this is what I want to be able to do. So what do I need to do if I want to, want to continue to do that? And then I started thinking, okay, I can actually trek because there are people without legs who've done it. So okay, that's fine. Surfing, okay, maybe I won't be able to hold a board. So let me try and figure out what kind of prosthetics are there in the market, which will help me hold heavy objects. So, I mean, I sort of started thinking about it in that way. And uh, then I was like, okay, if I need to. And honestly, there was no doubt in my head. Like I never, not, it's not about being stupid or overconfident, but I never had this thought that, okay, I, I'll never be able to do this. Oh my God. You know, I always had this thing that, yeah, I want to do this, but how do I do it? So I tried and and at some level, I had to train myself to think like that also. And I think uh, a lot of, uh, I mean, I did uh, read quite a few books and possibly listen to different podcasts and all that. I listened to yours as well. It was very helpful during that time. So yeah. So I think I sort of took bits and pieces of what I thought made sense uh, to me from the different things that I sort of assimilated. And uh, yeah, I came up with my own Sapna method, which worked for me. So yeah, I think it's, you just have to figure out what works for you. And uh, I mean, it sounds very simple and it sounds very, uh, I mean, I'm not giving advice or anything to anybody, but I think that each one of us has the power to do what we want to do, right? So long as, like I said, you accept it and then you figure out, okay, this is what I want to do. You have the mindset that you want to move ahead and then you try and prep yourself the best you can. I mean, I guess that's all we can do, right? And hope for the best. So yeah. If I can tweak what you're saying a little bit from what I understand, one is acceptance, right? Mm. And the second thing that you did, I think very successfully was you started envisioning a future that was full of possibilities. What typically happens with us when we go through our rock bottom moments is that we go down, we don't A, accept. And even if we do accept whatever has happened in our life, we don't necessarily think about a better future. Because we get stuck in the present saying that how will it be possible? How will it be possible? And that negative self-talk makes us into like, you know, it almost creates a prison for ourselves. So getting out of our rock bottom becomes very hard because we're just not being able to see a future because we don't have things to look forward to. 
like you were saying, yeah. I had things to look forward to. I had a trek that we were going to do. We're definitely going to do Mount Elbrus soon. So I mean, that is definitely on the cards. You said that I want to do surfing. I want to do this. I want to do that. Perfect. Now let me figure out how I can do it. And then you started taking those little steps towards that, saying that, okay, if I need to do this, what is the prosthetic I need? How can I change this? And I think that small, you know, those baby steps helps you get out of that rock bottom moment because you cannot take something dramatic, right? You you obviously haven't done something dramatic saying that, no, from next week onwards, I'm trying to climb Mount Everest. It's not dramatic, right? It is a realistic approach to the future. And uh, I just noted something very interesting in what you just said, right? I mean, you said uh, you're stuck in the present moment, but you're not able to envision a future. And the reason why I'm highlighting this is because uh, most people tell you, or, you know, when you, when you ask for advice, people tell you, you know, be in the present moment, don't get lost in the past or in the future. I think, and, and I'm going to try and articulate it as best as I can, and I would leave that job to you, but I'm just going to tell you what I think about it, that yes, you need to be in the present moment. And, but I think that being in the present moment refers to the acceptance bit and acknowledging what's happening around you, but not getting into that rut of, you know, uh, oh my God, what if I can't do this? What if I can't do this? What if I can't do this? So that becomes more of a what-if scenario where you're playing out like the worst case instances. Uh, So I would put it a little differently. It's still about being in the present moment, but trying to visualize what you want to do bases your acceptance of what's happening in the present moment and continually wishing or hoping or envisioning that yes, this is the uh, this is what has happened to me has happened but it is for the best i'm now ready to move on and uh, yeah have a fantastic life so i i don't know if i've said it properly or whatever no and sapna you said it so well because you know what it is is that like yours was a medical condition right that you went through as a rock bottom some people might be going through the rock bottoms with their marriages some people might be going through the rock bottoms with uh, being laid off some people might be going through all sorts of rock bottoms and the important thing is that the present is where you make the choices for your future. But if you don't know what your future is going to be, you're unable to make those choices right now. So you feel trapped. So like you said, the present is about acceptance. Key, whatever's happened has happened. This is where my current situation is at. All the choices that I made in the past have brought me here. Or whatever has happened in the past has brought me here, my choices or not, right? The future is still full of possibilities. Can I imagine something amazing for myself? And what are the little steps I need to do now in the present to get there? So the present again comes back in the choices you're going to make because your future is written from them. Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. And you know, I I loved what you said that you started reading books. You started talking to people. You started doing those activities that are healing activities, right? Um, You said you spoke to a healer. Whether it is, you know, a medical thing or whatever you're going through in life, these healing activities are important because they rewire your brain. Right? Absolutely. You must have seen that your your way of thinking has changed. You know, listening to you now, and and I've known you for the last so many years, I know that your thinking has changed. And it is this kind of community, you know, this inflow of information from like you said, podcasts and books, etc., that makes a difference. So it's important to get that in as well into your inverted commas diet. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think nourishing your mind, your soul is as important as feeding your body, right? I mean. Uh, and I think that is one thing which is also, uh, which is something which you know, we don't focus on, right? We end up consuming social media, news, etc. And and whether we realize it or not, it really screws us up and puts us in a bad mood. We don't even realize it, right? Like somewhere something that we might have read in the morning 
sort of might trigger us if uh, when we're speaking with a colleague and something that has, it is interlinked subconsciously, which we don't realize. Mm. So I think it, what you consume is so important. What you consume with your eyes and your nose and your ears and everything, it's just super important. Yeah, yeah. I think just being aware. Yeah. Sapna, before going ahead, we'll take a quick break. And we are back. And I was saying, Sapna, you also mentioned that you started speaking to your colleagues about it. I think the important thing that you did was not tiptoe around the topic, right? Communicating about it. Tell us a little bit about that. You know, how was it to uh, not tiptoe around, communicate? What were people's reactions to listening to your rock bottom stories? So I've always been a very in-your-face person, right? I've not believed in hiding things. And uh, in fact, like, once this happened, I know a lot of people, of course, they, they were just meaning well, but they were like, oh, would you be getting like prosthetics, which are lifelike, you know, so people won't notice. And uh, very interestingly, something that comes to my mind is uh, I had met my surgeon for the first time, my hand surgeon. I literally walked in uh, with my hands covered, right? I had like a towel over my hand and I walked in and uh, he saw me and he literally spoke to me for two minutes. And then he asked me, okay, why do you want the prosthetics? I said, uh, because it's going to help me. He's like, help you in what way? And this is, I'm talking about just the silicone prosthetics, right? Which is, which looks lifelike. So it's like a dummy. If you wear it, it looks like your finger or your pen. I said, uh, so it can look good. He's like, yeah, so it looks, right? It's not for utility. I said, yeah, perhaps. Because at that stage, I didn't still know what it's going to be useful for and uh, what it's not going to work out for. He said, look, uh, knowing you, you're going to wear it, wear it for two minutes, put it back and say, I don't care. And just walk into a room. You're going to be like, I'm like this only. I said, but you don't even know me. You've seen me for two minutes. He said, no, I know. And at that moment, I'm like, no, I will wear it and I'll show you and I'll challenge you. And you won't believe it. I did exactly what he said. Like, yes, I was conscious. But after that, I don't really care. So I like I told my colleagues, obviously, everybody knew about it already. But then I, I spoke to them and I spoke to them exactly in this way, right? Like I, I wasn't like being dramatic or anything. I, was, I just narrated the story. Okay, this is what happened. This is what happened. This is what happened. At the end of it, they were all a little bit shocked. Like the first time somebody heard it, of course, they were a bit shocked because they were like, okay, you're just saying it like, oh, I went and had coffee yesterday. Uh, but, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's really nice that you're sharing it, blah, blah, blah. So I think not a single person had anything negative to say. But everybody was like, okay, it's really nice that you're sharing. It's, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad that you're able to say it in such a way. And uh, I mean, it also shows that you've, you're sort of, you're okay with it. I said, yeah, I mean, I want to tell you because one day suddenly I walk into office without fingers and you, then you're going to be wondering what's wrong with me. So like, I don't mind just like, you know, walking in and saying, look, this is what it is. And like, this is what I am. I mean, and if somebody has an issue with it, then I think it, you they need to check their vision, right? Their inner vision or whatever it is. Because I honestly don't think there's anything wrong with me. And, and I know I'm telling you this very easily, but I've gone through the whole phase where I've had like meltdowns, uh, where I had to attend like a, some sort of an event it, and it was on Zoom. It was just a family wedding and I refused to show my hands because, you know, I was feeling very conscious. So, and, and this was in the initial days. So yes, I did have all that. I went through all that. Um, and I do have these moments now and then, but I think largely I sort of bring myself back to reality by saying that, no, it's okay. I'm fine. You know, like, so Yeah. You know, and like I think this is you know, earlier you said that you had bouts of anger, you had meltdown moments. It's part of the journey. Yeah. 
right? The crashes are also part of the journey. You might take few steps. You might take two steps ahead, one step back. And that's that's perfectly fine. That is how you, you grow because you're saying, oh, maybe not this path. Maybe I need to go down this way. And all these learnings, for example, your family Zoom call was nothing but that, right? I thought I was okay, but where the hell was this emotion hiding? Where did this one suddenly come from? Right? It, it all pours out and comes out. How did you have that conversation with yourself to make it okay or understand that emotion? Honestly, okay. So it, it was a mix of different things, right? So, and this is something which I sort of noticed in myself that over a period of time, I started realizing the fact that I'm angry or I'm, I'm feeling low or I'm not okay. So the, the realization that I'm not where I'm supposed to be started hitting me much faster as and when it happened. So I was able to pull back myself up easily. Of course, like I said, with a lot of help, I spoke to a lot of people. I had people around me. I had help. Uh, music helped me a lot. Uh, reading helped me a lot. Uh, affirmations, uh, which I thought were hogwash, apparently helped me a lot. They did, uh, in fact. So I think it was a combination of all this. Initially, I did everything like, okay, let me just try it. Let me just try it. There's no harm. You know, what do I have to lose? Uh, and then slowly I started figuring out what works best for me. And yes, I actually had conversations with myself. I would sit down in the room and say, okay, Sapnana, what is wrong with you? Okay, you're upset about this. So what are you going to do? I would literally have conversations. And like my family outside, I'm like, who are you talking to? What's, like, you know, what's happening? So uh, yeah, so I think it was a combination of different things that I was actually able to literally talk to myself, like, like I said, from a third person's point of view without being emotionally attached to the fact that, you know, all this has happened to me. Yeah. So, which is why also I feel like I'm able to talk about it very easily because, and, and people around me will hit me if I say this, I don't think of it as a big deal because I'm like, okay, it has happened, but okay, let me move on, you know, so. In fact, there are two very powerful things that you did that you mentioned right in the beginning when you were talking. And um, I was letting you speak because you were on a flow at that point of time. And I wanted to pick up these things. So one was you said that, you know, I was almost seeing myself as a third person. Correct? Seeing yourself as a third person is a very, very powerful tool that you can use to detach yourself from whatever is happening. Because otherwise you get so caught up in, oh my God, this is happening to me, 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 me. When you suddenly take a step back and look at it as if you are um, an audience in a play, you know, as a third person, you can actually then start seeing aspects and saying, oh, that's interesting. Why did I do that? Oh, that's interesting. What does that mean? And you can start making those tweaks and changes. So I think that tool that you use, which was taking a step back and, and looking at things, was actually very, very powerful. Now, you might have done this unknowingly, or you might have used it, or you might have read up about it, but it's a beautiful tool to actually use. To be very honest, and I don't know if you remember this, but I remember it very well. I had this conversation with you at your place. And, and I remember you telling me something similar. And this is a couple of years ago, right? And at that time, I was actually pretty mad at what you said. Of course, I didn't tell you that. And I was like, you know, why are you telling me this? I mean, it's so easy for you to advise. You don't know unless you're in my place. So these were the thoughts that were going on in my head. I was pissed off uh, that my husband told you about it. I'm like, why are you telling Anastasia he's my friend? You know, I don't want advice from my friend and I don't want him to think that, you know, something's wrong with me. So these were the thoughts that were going on in my head at that point. Um, and uh, I was never able to put it into practice. Like you said, when I was consciously trying to do it, I was never able to put it into practice. Um, but this time, I think it was more of, I mean, I really don't know how to explain it. It was literally like this, um, 
external force which was sort of making me look at it in that way because and i got like about three or four different people or things telling me the exact same thing so like i read this in a book i read this uh, a counselor mentioned this friend mentioned this a healer mentioned this i was like okay then there's so many people telling me this so let me try and then at some level it came subconsciously and at that point i realized that okay i've actually already done it when i was in the hospital without even realizing it because maybe at that point i don't know maybe i was at a more heightened state or maybe i was just hallucinating also because i was really high on drugs so it's one of the two but it just worked and uh, yeah so um, and and i think sometimes right uh, it may just be useful for you to break down your problems into smaller bite sizes and it might be a really huge problem right it might be that you like you've lost all your money or whatever so these are very grave issues right i mean you've had a life threatening issue blah blah these are big issues but if you try and see the humor and everything i think it just really helps so for example right like the minute my surgery was over and i was sitting over there and uh, and and like i really had this really fantastic surgeon who was like uh, funny and like uh, really sweet right and he was like so how do you feel i'm like oh i think i must have lost a few kilos i'm so happy because of the amputation he said no it doesn't work that way you must have lost a few grams that's all don't be too happy you know so i think all these little moments um really made me feel good like and i had like a list of these kind of things that okay what are the benefits of this right like and it was a fun list it was not really a serious list of i mean obviously i don't think it's going to be beneficial but i had a list of these fun things that okay now what are the things that i can do you know like i said oh i'm going to get prosthetics like jewelry in with, with like knives or uh, you know i can actually show my middle finger to anybody and they really wouldn't know that i'm showing it only i would know so these are the kind of thoughts that were coming in my head and so i think it it really pays to see the humor and everything because i think there is a funny side to everything okay uh, this is just my personal belief yeah like if people hear this they'll be like oh. like sapna's gone mad but that is absolutely yeah. true you know you have to learn to see the world like a child right you have to find it amusing like how ridiculous is it that you one day completely blanked out woke up in this situation right like yeah. it is it's a bizarre thing and if you don't have humor to deal with it you're just going to be weighed down by so much of what if only if only if this happen happen why why me why me why me but you have to understand the humor in it like oh my god hilarious how did that even take yeah, place yeah at some points i used to like i honestly thought it was funny hmm. cuz i'm like how the hell does this happen okay i've read about it but how the hell did this happen to me right because yeah and uh, so yeah and it's not just a defense mechanism you know very often people think that oh, we are using humor as a defense mechanism it's not just a defense mechanism you're actually using it because there is an aspect to it that uh, that's healing in nature you know like for oh, example absolutely. um i was just talking to somebody else the other day who's in a very abusive relationship with their mother right so the mother is in that context and i was like do you see the humor in this she's constantly trying to prove how right she is you're constantly trying to prove how right you are matlab it's just hilarious the kind of conversations they'll have but you cannot realize that and once you realize how funny things are you wouldn't be taking that mother so seriously exactly. and and she would not hold that the grip on you and i think that's what it is you know with you sapna using humor using these tools 
what you've gone through your rock bottom is not holding you as a grip, right? It is, like you said, it's giving me a new life. It's giving me a new appreciation for things. Beautiful. And as a result, you're looking at things differently. It's a new world out there for you. Wolverine or not, huh? I hope so. <laughs> so when you came back home, what was the hardest thing for you to do? The hardest thing, so for me as a person, I am used to doing things a certain way, right? Like my way. Like I have a certain way of chopping vegetables, for instance. It could be as stupid as that. Like I'd like to stand on one particular side of the thing, of the kitchen and do it. I'd like my vegetables to a certain way. Uh, I don't know, I'd like my, it's just like these kind of things where I'd like, just like to do things my way and it has to be done at a certain speed. Like if there's somebody who's a little, you know, slow and ambling about, I get super impatient. So for me, it was two things. One was not being able to do it and having to ask somebody else. So the, the fact that I had to depend on other people to do things for me, it was, I think that was the most frustrating part. It was, it was super frustrating because like I said, I've always sort of prided myself and I think it was more of an ego thing that, that I, or that I was this independent person, right? Like, like I told you, middle child and, oh, I never had any help. Uh, I did everything myself. So, you know, yeah, my, my, like, and you know, sometimes all to the extent of, yeah, my parents gave attention only to my brother and my sister and I was like left alone and all that, so things like that. So uh, I think that was the most difficult part. Uh, and I think again, to come to terms with that and to realize that it is okay to slow down a bit. You might actually end up doing a better job and with lesser errors and uh, and in the process even enjoy what you're doing, right? Rather than just do it as, okay, I have to do, tuck, 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 do one, two, three, four and then get on. And also the fact that it's okay to make other people work for you. How was <laughs> it asking for help? How did you teach yourself to ask for help? Oh my God, that, that was so difficult. And and sometimes I would be like, like all oh, oh please, you know, excuse me, can you please do this? May I request you to like, how I'm writing an email, I would do that with people around me and they'd be like, uh, what is wrong with you? Sometimes I would be like, this is my birthright. I'd be like, hey, come here, just get me this, open this for me. You know, like, the anger would come out, you know? So it was like, either this or that. And uh, I think, like I, I think, yeah, now that I think about it, I think that was the most annoying thing for me to ask for help. So, yeah. H- have you cracked it? Yes. Yeah, I have. I-, I have. I think now I'm a little more comfortable. How do you ask for help now? I'll be like, uh, yeah, I need this. Uh, would you be able to help me with this? Hmm. So I'm a little more like not all like angry, but I try and like to say like, oh, can you just do this for me, please? Hmm. Or, hey, I'm not able to do this new rules. That's it. Yeah. And notice the healthy way of asking for help is not apologizing. Hi, I'm sorry, but can you please open this for me? Yeah. Right? Oh, that was again a super big lesson that I had. I have this bad habit of apologizing. Everything will start with sorry, but so that was another thing which, and I've read about this many years ago, but for some reason was never able to uh, sort of use that in my own life, right? So now I'm like consciously trying to do things. So I think that awareness has crept in. Uh, like like I said, I'm more aware of myself. So I'm aware of these little things that I do. And I think that is also helping. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, asking for help is so hard. Um, I, I think my dad was telling me about a friend of his who was on a trek, got stuck in quicksand. He was trying to think about ways of getting out of quicksand. He could see his, he could see the, the his fellow trekkers out there, right? Just like, like a little ahead. But he in his mind is saying, okay, I've seen this on Bear grills. Now I have to lie down on my back and pull out one leg at a time. It's okay if I lose my shoe. But the thought about asking for help didn't come up. 
because we are so like, no, I have to be independent and do this. And I think asking for help is a beautiful lesson that has come out of this. And, you know, like we all should learn how to do it. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Have you also had to say no a lot? In a sense? As in like, can you do this? And, and you had to say no to people as well? Or wasn't saying no to somebody, uh, something that came easily to you? Uh, you mean in general? Mm, in general, in general. Uh, yeah, I would end up making excuses. Uh, like, you know, like, try and make excuses for it. But uh, I think I'm fairly, I was okay with it. Like, because I'm, I'm quite direct that way. So I would just be like, no, sorry. But I would, again, I would be like, sorry. Like, I wouldn't just, you know, say, no, I can't do it because I don't want to do it. Mm. Uh, probably very close people, but otherwise, no, it would always be like an apologetic. Lovely. So, yeah. <laughs> so, Sapna, what is it that you're looking at now in the future? What is the thing that's exciting you right now? A lot of different things. I'm looking at, uh, the next thing that I'm actually looking at is to travel wherever to get my prosthetics. Uh, and these would be functional prosthetics for the fingers. Just to put it out there, I mean, there's, there's not too many options for fingers. So, you have a lot of different options for legs. Uh, for hands, for full hands as well, uh, mechanical hands, uh, sorry, electrical hands, etc. No, mechanical. Okay, pardon me. Uh, so there, there are not too many options for finger amputees, right? So, but the, it's an evolving market, and uh, we've come across some very, very interesting sort of finger prosthetics, which uh, work uh, bases the electrical impulses from your wrist. Uh, so that's something which I'm really excited about. And uh, of course, yeah, getting vaccinated and, and getting on with life, uh, traveling, I think I'm really looking forward to that. Trekking is something that I'm super, super looking forward to. Uh, so yeah, these are the things that I'm actually looking forward to right now. Yeah. Superb. Fantastic. Sapna, anything else that you want to share with us? Nothing really. I just, uh, I think I've pretty much said everything that I wanted to say. <laughs> no, because it was such an enlightening conversation because, you know, like like in the beginning, you just spoke about everything, right? And then, you know, taking it apart because you the number of tools that you used on this journey was absolutely fascinating. The self-talk, right? The way to ask for help, the affirmations, the reading. All of that is something that we have to do as self-care when we're getting out of this rock bottom, right? You have to champion something or you have to become something in order to get out of a rock bottom. So like, for example, yeah. um, like um, on your social media, you speak a lot about being, you know, the amputee and the, and the prosthetics that are there. You're putting it out there, right? You are uh, making yourself heard on behalf of that. So you've upnowed it almost. And that is yeah. the way to, you know, take that, that rock bottom and then start moving up. And, I'm, and everyone listening, you might be in your rock bottom right now. These are the steps that you have to do. Ask for help rely on these tools because they are for a reason they've worked with so many people and that's what we need to take on board yeah I, and uh, it just struck me now uh, once I just heard what you said I think the first thing is don't be ashamed of what has happened right like and this is something which I have faced so none of what happened was really my fault really right it's not like I wanted to fall sick or whatever but somewhere I feel as human beings we end up being ashamed because we think that oh my God, this has happened to me now. I'm like really ashamed. I can't like deal with it. I can't tell people. What do people think of me? I think you, you just should stop feeling ashamed and like you said, own it and accept it. And I'm going to be a lawyer and just like summarize whatever I just said. Yeah, I think owning, accepting, very, very important. Um, look at it from a third person's point of view. Just be aware of what's happening and try and envision like great things for yourself because it's definitely going to happen. It's possible. And 
work on it in bite sized pieces right don't try and do something dramatic uh, take it one day at a time but just try and be better than what you were yesterday like you said use all these little tools whatever works read sing dance listen to podcasts whatever works but so important to have that one or two little things which are just yours right like and that no one can take away from you uh, i think super super important to do that i think yeah that's about it and just smile and just be happy and grateful and yeah always look at the bright side of life so, yeah, yeah it's your sense of humor yeah, yeah absolutely lovely Sapna, thank you so much for coming and sharing this with us. I know it would have helped so many people who are listening in to this. Thank you so much, Arjun. Thanks, everyone. So start these habits and share with us your progress using the hashtag #TheHabitCoach. If you like this podcast, don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the IVM network. You can listen to us on the IVM podcast app or ivmpodcast.com. You can also follow us on social media. We are at IVM Podcasts on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to reach out to me, I am Ashden Doc on Twitter and Instagram. You can find lots more information on my website, awesome180.com, or check out different content on my YouTube channel called A W E S O M E One Eight Zero. That's Awesome One Eighty.